welcome to our Good Friday service. Um, as, as we've already sung, guys, this is, this is about worshiping our King. This is about giving Him praise because He alone is worthy. Uh, this grace that we celebrate and we, we acknowledge tonight truly is amazing beyond our, our comprehension. Again, grace, that, that aspect, something that we absolutely do not deserve that He gives to us. And we remember tonight the suffering and death of our Lord and Savior on our behalf, what he went through for us. But guys, as Pastor Brad alluded to already and talked about this, this is a worship service tonight. As we remember this, we remember, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the, the story together. And, and I invite you that even though, you, again, no doubt, if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe even just recently, but you know the story, let it, hear it fresh tonight. I'm going to be reading it from uh, what is called the Harmony of the Gospels. So if you brought your Bible, you won't be able to follow along with me tonight. It's, a, it's putting together of all four gospel accounts um, and be reading through that together and singing worship songs in between that. But guys, let's, let's enter into this again tonight with just that sense of awe, just being again totally blown away that our creator, the king of the universe, stepped off of his throne and came down, entered into his creation, became subject to his creation, living amongst us and then suffering and dying in our place. It truly is a special night. It's a, it's a night where we, we, we walk into some holy ground together. But I'm excited to do it. So would you, if I, half of you sat down already, so stand back up. Say hi to everybody around you tonight and welcome one another in the name of the Lord.
I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to be seated. Before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the very end. Now when the hour came and it was evening, Jesus came to the house and took his place at the table and the 12 apostles joined him. Jesus took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you the truth, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus was greatly distressed in spirit and testified, I tell you in solemn truth, the hand of the one who betrays me is with me on the table eating with me. The disciples became greatly distressed and began to look at one another, worried and perplexed to know which of them he was talking about. So they began to question one another as to which of them it could possibly be who would do this. Each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus replied, you have said it yourself. Jesus said to him, what you are about to do do quickly. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, and he'd given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is the cup of my blood, the new covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, and they all drank from it. Came sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. The love so Jesus Messiah Oh, 
Then Jesus went out and made his way, as he customarily did, to a place called Gethsemane. When he came to the place, he said to them, sit here and pray that you will not fall into temptation while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John and became anguished and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, about a stone's throw away, he threw himself down with his face to the ground and prayed, Abba, Father, 
all things are possible for you. If you are willing, take this cup away from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, exhausted. He said to Peter, Simon, why are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Get up, stay awake, and pray that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed the same thing. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will must be done. When he came again, he found them sleeping, could not keep their eyes open. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping? Look, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go, my betrayer is approaching. While Jesus was still speaking, suddenly a crowd appeared, and Judas was leading them. They came armed with swords and clubs. When Judas arrived, he went up to Jesus immediately and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, you would betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Then Jesus, because he knew everything that was going to happen to him, came and asked them, who are you looking for? And they replied, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he told them, I am. When Jesus said to them, I am, they retreated and fell to the ground. Then Jesus asked them again, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And Jesus replied, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, let these men go. He said this to fulfill the word he had spoken. I have not lost a single one of those that you gave me. Jesus said to Judas, friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and took hold of Jesus and arrested him. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, pulled it out and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus said, enough of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. For all who hold the sword will die by the sword. Do you not know that I cannot call on my father and he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? How then would the scripture be fulfilled that says it must happen this way? Am I not to drink the cup that the father has given me? Then the squad of soldiers with their commanding officer and the officers of the Jewish leaders arrested Jesus and tied him up and all the disciples left him and fled. Jesus, you endured my pain. Savior, you bore all my shame. All because of your love. Maker of the universe. Broken for the sins of the earth. All because Because of your cross, 
Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house all the chief priests and elders and experts in the law had come together. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find anything. Many gave false testimony against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Finally, two came forward and stood up and gave this false testimony against Jesus. We heard this man say, I will destroy this temple God made with hands and in three days build another not made with hands. Yet even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, have you no answer? What is this that they are testifying against you? But Jesus was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest questioned Jesus and said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself, I am. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and declared, he has blasphemed. Why do we still need further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy yourself. 
what is your verdict? They all condemned him, condemned him and answered, he is guilty and deserves death. Now the men who were holding Jesus under guard began to mock him and beat him. Some began to spit on him and put a blindfold on him and struck him with their fists. Some slapped him saying repeatedly, prophesy for us, you Christ, who hit you? After forming a plan, they tied Jesus up and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When they brought Jesus to Caiaphas, to the Roman governor's residence, it was very early in the morning. Pilate came outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They replied, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, take him yourselves then and pass judgment on him according to your own law. The Jewish leaders replied, we cannot legally put anyone to death. Then the chief priests and the elders began to accuse Jesus repeatedly saying, we found this man subverting our nation, forbidding us to pay tribute to Caesar, claiming himself as he is the Christ and the king. But Jesus did not respond. Then Pilate said to Jesus, do you not hear how many charges they are bringing against you? Have you nothing to say? But Jesus made no further reply, not answering even one accusation, so that Pilate the governor was quite amazed. So Pilate went back into the governor's residence and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you say so. Are you saying this on your own initiative or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own people and your chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Then Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus replied, you say that I am a king. For this reason I was born. For this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked, what is truth? When he had said this, he went back outside to the Jewish leaders, the chief priests and the crowds and announced, I find no basis for any accusation against this man. During the feast, the governor was accustomed to release one prisoner to the crowd, whomever they requested. At that time, they had in custody a notorious prisoner named Barabbas who had been thrown into prison with other rebels for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate said to them, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. When I examined him before you, I find him guilty of nothing that you have accused him of doing. He has done nothing deserving death. It is your custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ, the King of the Jews? Then they shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. So Pilate spoke to them again, then what do you want me to do with the one you, you call the Christ, King of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him, and kept on shouting, crucify, crucify him.
your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your Pilate said to them, why? What wrong has he done? I, found, I have found him guilty of no crime deserving death. 
I will therefore flog him and release him. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the palace and called together the whole cohort. They stripped him and flogged him severely. They put a purple cloak on him, and after braiding a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, and kneeling down before him, they mocked him and saluted him. Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him repeatedly on the head and on the face. Again, Pilate went out and said to the Jewish leaders, look, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no reason for an accusation against him. So Jesus came outside wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, look, here is the man. But when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they were insistent, demanding with loud shouts, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but that instead a riot was starting, He took some water and washed his hands before the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. You take care of it yourselves. You take him and crucify him. Certainly, I find no reason for an accusation against him. But he handed Jesus over to their will to be crucified. So they took Jesus, stripped him of the purple cloak, and put on his own clothes. Then they led him away to crucify him. Two criminals were also led away to be executed with him.
they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. At nine o'clock in the morning, they crucified him there along with the two criminals, one on his right and one on his left with Jesus in the middle. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Those who passed by defamed Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, aha, you who can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're God's son, come down from the cross. The robbers who were crucified with him also spoke abusively to him. One of the criminals who was hanging there railed at him saying, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we rightly so, for we're getting what we deserve for what we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise.
Now when it was about noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because the sun's light failed. Around three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard him say this, they said, listen, he is calling for Elijah. After this, Jesus realizing that by this time everything was completed, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine was there, so someone immediately ran and soaked a sponge with the sour wine, put it on a hyssop stick, and lifted it to his mouth to drink. When he had received the sour wine, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, It is finished. Then Jesus bowed his head and calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And after he said this, he breathed his last. Just then the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split apart and tombs were opened and the bodies of many saints who, were, who had died were raised. Now when the centurion who stood in front of him saw how he died, he praised God and said, truly, this was the Son of God.
You know, I don't, I don't know how many of you get asked the question, perhaps have ever come across that. Somebody says, Good Friday. Good Friday. What, what is that all about? What, what, what's, what's good about it? And, you know, the question when we think about it and when we look at it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't understand what it is that we're doing, we can, we can understand that, can't we? When we, when we think of the fact that, that people wouldn't understand, I, it is rather peculiar what it is that we're doing tonight. I, 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 I tried to find on the internet, you know you can find everything on the internet, right? <laughs> I tried to find on the internet another example where any, any other group of people get together and celebrate and remember the death of somebody. At all the time, we, we celebrate people's birthdays in history, right? I mean, we presidents' birthdays and, you know, famous people's birthdays. We, we celebrate those, but I could not find a single example where you get together and you remember and celebrate somebody's death. And not only that they died, but, but how they died. To get together and talk about that and to, and to sing about that. Understand from the, an outside perspective, that, that's, that's pretty peculiar. And when you're talking about somebody's death to say that, that, that that's good. And the interesting thing about it when we, when we think about it too, Paul in his writing, he, he even raises that bar when we look at that. He said to the church in Corinth, he said, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing else. And what he's saying with that statement is everything else pivots on that. When we talk about Jesus' Jesus' birth, we understand he came here to die. Yes, we have a great example in his life that we are to follow, but that's not why he came. He didn't come to leave us an example to follow. He came to die. 
We, we, we celebrate on Sunday. We celebrate his resurrection. And Paul is one who said, without the resurrection, guys, our faith is worthless. We are still in our sins. But the fact of the matter is, you can't have a resurrection unless you have a death, right? And so when we look at this, we understand that, that, that there's, there's, something, that there's something special about this event. And when we look at it too, even speaking of the time in Corinth, when Paul wrote that, the time when Jesus died, about the only difference when, when you look at some things about that is, is the cross itself. Even right now, it, it, the cross now has become, we've almost sanitized it way too much. The, when we, and by, now I'm not saying don't wear, don't wear cross necklaces. I'm not saying take down the crosses in your house. That's not at all what I'm saying. But you would have never seen that in Corinth among the believers. They didn't walk around with crosses around their neck. They didn't have that up then. It was, we, we, we do that obviously for, for the purpose of, of remembering but you look around, I mean, it's become almost like a glamour symbol. Even people who have want nothing to do with Jesus love the idea of cross tattoos and cross this and that. Guys, it's not a glamorous thing. As a matter of fact, when we think of somebody dying, even remembering somebody's death, if they died in battle, if they died something like that, you know, that's, that's some type of a hero's death. When somebody was crucified, it was the most humiliating way to die. This is the most excruciating way to die. And Jesus did that for us. So when we kind of look at the whole picture, we can understand, and we can even look at Paul, Paul continuing, or actually previously to what I mentioned earlier, in the first letter to the Corinthians that we have a record of, he said, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now notice what he says in there. He says, to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. Those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Notice he talks that, that basically everybody can be divided into two camps. And it's not Republican and Democrat. It's not pro-Trump or anti-Trump. It's those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And by the way, I'm making no parallels with that. There are two, those that are perishing and those who are being saved. Those that are perishing, it's foolishness. And again, we, we, we think of this, it's stepping out of what we understand. When we look at it, we can, we can easily understand that. Paul goes on to say, for we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Again, keep in mind again what we're talking about. The Son of God stepping out of heaven. God himself stepping off of his throne, stepping into his creation, becoming one of us and subjecting himself to this humiliating execution. And Paul tells us that's the wisdom of God and the power of God? Again, to an outsider looking in, that, that seems foolish. But to us, we understand. Even though just, even though just a little, we, don't under, we, we can't possibly understand it completely. But the wisdom of God, 
think, guys, only God could think of something like this. Only God would come up with a plan like this. And that it was an eternal plan. We understand through his word that this was a plan set into motion before creation. There's this eternal aspect to it that only God could come up with. And it was prophesied in the Psalms how Jesus would die centuries before crucifixion was ever invented. The wisdom of God. And understand this, guys, the power of God. Because only God could do it. Only God could do it. That is why Jesus, fully God, became fully man. Did not stop being God when he became a man. Fully God and fully man. Only God could do it. The power of God. Displaying it all through the love of God. John writes this for us. He tells us why it happened. We, we, not just how, that it happened, how it happened, but why it happened. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This word that's right in the middle of what we just read, propitiation, guys, that's not a $50,000 word. That is a priceless word. Propitiation. What does it mean? Well, some people say, well, it's, it's, it's synonymous with expiation, but it's not. It goes beyond that. And the best way I, could, I can describe this is just to give an example of, let's say, let's say somebody on a job site. They're injured, and their injury while they are working is such that it leaves them paralyzed. And then it was found that it was through neglect and lack of training and several other things that by the employer that caused this person to be injured. It goes to court. And we could probably all understand what the outcome is going to be. He's going to get a huge sum of money. But once the employer pays that, the, the, the debt has been expiated. The expiation takes place. The debt has been paid. They owe nothing more, but the man may have received all of this money, never need any more money to ever, ever again. However, it does not deal with the anger that he has towards his employer for allowing it to happen. It doesn't, it doesn't take care of the wrath that he may still have because he's still in this condition. And that's where propitiation comes in. Even when we break down the word, the prefix X means out of or from removing something or taking it away, removing the guilt by paying a debt. But pro means for. Something changes in the, in the, in the recipient. Isaiah 53 records this. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. 
All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Now to bring this, this, this together here, Jesus suffering on the cross on our behalf, the physical suffering, the emotional suffering, all of that that he went through, again, humiliated, brutally beaten and hung on a cross to die, shedding his blood for your sins and mine. But when we go back to the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying and he asked the father, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, the cup he was speaking of was not the physical suffering on the cross. Throughout the word of God, we understand that the cup is, is a metaphor for the wrath of God. And so what Jesus was asking is, let this cup pass, that I would not have to drink, I would not have to take upon myself your wrath. Because, again, the, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Paying the, the, the sin debt through death. But it does not satisfy the wrath of God. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus, as our substitutionary sacrifice, could satisfy the wrath of God. Now, that brings up an... an Another question, if God is love, if that is who he is, how could he have wrath? How could he have hate? Well, in order to truly, purely love, you have to have that. Again, Illustrations fail when we talk about perfect love, right? I mean, even our best efforts at love fall far short of perfect love. But I can only imagine that if I, one afternoon, walked out and walked out into my backyard and saw my grandson in the backyard being attacked by a rabid coyote, I wouldn't say, oh, poor coyote got to eat. No, there'd be some wrath coming out <laughs> because I love my grandson and that rabid coyote is trying to kill my grandson. There would be wrath involved. I can promise you that. God hates sin because he knows what it does. And Jesus on the cross, when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This perfect union between the Father and the Son for eternity was broken and the wrath of God poured out on Jesus on our behalf. He cried out, why have you forsaken me, guys, so that you and I never have to. You and I will never experience that because he took the wrath for us. He took it all for us. 
And today, again, is just when I'm over in my office and I'm just praying about this and just spending some time in this. Guys, we have to, have to. And I want all of us, even in this moment, as we spend a t- some time here in a moment, praying and worshiping some more. Guys, we can't, we can't leave this in an us scenario, situation. Did it for me. Did it for you, personally. I don't understand it. Don't try to understand it. Just embrace the beauty of it. He went through all of it for you. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame for you, for me. Bible tells us that God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul puts again this this idea of, of again, the propitiation, the satisfaction of the wrath in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I heard this verse described this way, and it's, it's always just stuck with me. I share it often, but it, it blesses me, and I hope it blesses you, in that on that day, the day when Jesus on the cross, taking on the full wrath of God, on that day, the Father treated Jesus as though he lived our sin-filled, disgusting, wretched lives. So that on this day, the Father treats us as though we lived his perfect, sinless life. That's propitiation. Amen. Not only paying our debt, but satisfying the wrath. Now, we have this, again, the world looks at this and says, man, this is strange. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything that is more right than to remember and to celebrate and to worship what our Savior did for us. To remember it all and to worship him. And the great thing is, for us here tonight, is we know what we celebrate on Sunday. Right? He's, he's risen. He's alive. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. But today is a celebration, too. Today, we get to celebrate the fact that the wrath that we deserve has been satisfied completely, totally. We stand blameless before a holy and righteous God. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion tonight. And it's a celebration. Again, we... We remember Jesus commanded us. He goes, do, he said, do this often. 
And when you do it, remember what I did for you. And look forward to the fact that we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate this in his presence one day. When we do this, we remember again the price that he paid, the, the physical suffering, the agony, the, the disgrace, the shame that he took upon himself, but also the fact that he took the cup of wrath and drained it to the dregs. Every last drop for you and I. Now the, the ushers are gonna come forward in a minute and, and they'll distribute the trays there's two cups, the bread's in the bottom, the juice is in the top cup. Make sure you grab both cups as they go by. Parents, your children, communion is for believers. And you will, only you're gonna know that if, if, if your children are in that position if, if, to, to take communion or not. People ask all the time, how old do you have to be? You have to be a born again believer. That's the only requirement. There's no age, there's no, no age restriction. This is for believers, this is what we do. And if you're here tonight, and perhaps, perhaps you're here and you've never taken that step, you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never trusted in him and him alone for your salvation. And you feel the Holy Spirit right now tugging on your heart. You realize that, that you still carry that debt. That what lies ahead of you is facing the wrath of God for eternity in hell, that is the other destination. There's eternal life in heaven, there's eternal torment and wrath in hell. Right now, tonight, you can take care of that. Right now, tonight, you can, you can exchange your sin for his righteousness. It's simply a matter of surrendering your life to him. If that's you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray that a prayer in just a minute, inviting Jesus to come into your heart. If you do, the greatest way to celebrate that is to, have, is to celebrate it with communion with us afterward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we gather here tonight and do something that is totally peculiar and strange to the, those who don't know you. But to those of us who do, there's nothing that makes more sense. We thank you for being our propitiation, for being willing to take on our debt and to take the full wrath, do us upon yourself so that we can be with you forever. We can stand before you blameless. If that is you and you've never taken that step and you want to know that your sins are forgiven, you want to know that, that your debt is fully paid, that you will never face the wrath of God. You simply go before God in your heart right now and you confess to him. You say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I deserve your wrath. But Jesus, I believe you took it. So right now, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me clean. Give me the gift of eternal life. I want to make you Lord of my life now. I want to follow after you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing gift, and we worship you together now. In Jesus' name.
mercy and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The love that's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once you're in the word earlier on the night that our Lord was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said take and eat this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me The same manner after supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Lord Jesus, again, we stand in awe of you. And we do remember. We remember and we celebrate the fact that we are yours. We are purchased by your very blood. We have eternal life because of you. We remember you. We remember what you did for us. And Lord, we remember the promise that one day we will be with you face to face, celebrating this together. Until then, Lord, our desire is to live all out for you. Lord, we thank you for this night. We thank you for what it represents. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
so grateful for this grace that we begin with and we end with. It is truly amazing, far beyond our comprehension. But we thank you, Lord, for this reality. Your great love makes it possible for us to one day see you face to face. God of all gods, King of all kings, Lord of all lords, Jesus the Christ, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.